This is episode two, The Culture Code Decoded, or Why Consciousness is the Key. Welcome to Ambassadors of Joy. Woohoo! This is Amy and Priya, and we're going to take you on another journey through a book so that we can explore the intersection of business and spirituality. We are so excited to be bringing you today um, The Culture Code by Daniel Coyle. Let's talk a little bit about why we chose this book, Amy. <laughs> so, okay. I have this friend whom I actually worked with for a very long time. He is a CEO of a $2 million startup. It's a SaaS company. Oh, that's right. Yes, yes. and I worked with him for a very long time. And I knew that he has the potential to kind of dig a little deeper within because I connect with him so well on um, an emotional and personal level. And the way that we work together kind of indicates that potential for me. Mm -hmm. So I was just messaging him one day. I just wanted to ask him, you know, what he's been reading. Because usually what people are reading is an indication to me in terms of how how they're expanding their consciousness. Got it. And you think that there's there is room for more expansion. Right. And so And more success. I was just trying to figure out if he was woke. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be honest here. Yeah. So I, I mean he recently went to Burning Man and you who, know, who doesn't? Who doesn't in Silicon <laughs> Valley? And I mean, I've never been. And you know, people take acid there. They're they're on some sort of inward journey. And I thought maybe he had gotten some higher consciousness things that he can share with me. So I was testing him to see if he was woke. <laughs> and so he told me his reading at the time is called The Culture Code. And um, he was you know, telling me how he completely changed the way he manages his team and the way he approaches culture in general. And it's opened up his mind. So, and he recommended that I read it. So I was like, okay, yeah, let's let's do that. And at the time we were always talking about company culture, uh, right. uh, what makes a good company culture versus uh -huh, a toxic uh -huh. company culture. It, it, it diversity and inclusion yes, versus unity and yes, inclusion. Like in our last episode. Of, like in our last episode. Yeah, so I was like, all right, let me just order this book on Amazon. Yeah. And it actually arrived at my house the moment that you came to visit me right. during that week. And so that's the origin story of this book. And apparently it's very popular. A lot of a lot of CEOs across the country is reading it. Another one of our friends that we had dinner with during your trip in New York. Yes. Was also reading it. Yeah. <laughs> so it was really interesting because we were we were talking about something in the conversation and he's like, Oh, have you read the culture code? <laughs> we're like, we're like, well, oh. I'm kind of sitting in my apartment and <laughs> let's dive in. I feel like there's something else that was interesting when we when we first picked up the the book, I think you read a few lines from it only, or maybe an excerpt about it on online. And it was kind of using language that might have, we felt that maybe wasn't in line with spirituality. I don't remember or, that. Uh, we can dive in and find out. Yeah. Well, obviously we have, we have not read this. So every book that we read, on this podcast, we are looking at it from fresh eyes. So if my friend is listening to this podcast, I apologize. I clearly ordered it a month ago, and this is the first time we're really <laughs> reading it together. 
A brief, brief summary about the Culture Code is written by Daniel Coyle with the intentions to give his readers an inside look into the work cultures of the world's most successful organizations. And this book includes stories about the U.S. Navy SEAL, um, IDEO, San Antonio Spurs, Zappos, and um, uh, and a gang of jewel thieves, apparently. Yeah. Which that is the interesting part. Like, let's get to that. Huh? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Amy has this theory that in our past lives, we were both robbers together. Yeah. So <laughs> exhilarating. Doesn't it sound great? <laughs> awesome. Okay, so we will get started. Let's take a moment to set our intentions for the episode and do a quick meditation to let those intentions set in. So let's set our intentions to create a new lens to look at something that has happened for us in the last week and how we might be able to reflect on it with the inspired actions that we are taking from this episode so that we can move forward in a new perspective. This book is divided into, instead of chapters, it's called skills. So the first skill is build safety. The second skill is share vulnerability. And the third skill is establish purpose. So I'm thinking we read a little section from each skill. Just off the bat, I'm thinking about our chakras. Oh, what are <laughs> you thinking? Building safety sounds like the lower chakras. This is what I was getting at before. I felt like we saw some words from the book and we're like, wait a minute, this is probably actually not in the way that we would want to think about company culture. Yeah. But building safety reminds me of the the, the chakras, yeah. of the lower chakras of survival, safety, and, and just your um, basic needs in life and how you behave and react. And then vulnerability. Right? That was the second part. Yes. Felt to me like it's like the heart chakra where you're opening up your heart and connecting with yeah. other people mm-hmm. so that you can move forward. And in establish purpose. And establish purpose is like your crown chakra and your your higher chakra is your, your third eye. That is very interesting. So it's almost even from a chakra standpoint, through building these skills, you are leveling up. You're going up through yes. the chakras from the bottom yes. up to the crown. Yes. I bet you Daniel Coyle has no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Like, a lot of these authors probably don't, but yes, Um, that is so true. Okay, so we're going to start with Build Safety, and I'm going to dive into a section, um, section four under the skill called How to Build Belonging, the Relationship Maker. A while back, a writer named Neil Payne set out to determine who was the best National Basketball Association coach, NBA, coach of the modern era. He devised an algorithm that used player performance metrics to predict how many games a team should win. 
He crunched numbers for every NBA coach since 1979 in order to measure wins above expectation. That is, the number of times a coach's team won a game that, measured by their players' skills, they had no business winning. He then plotted the results on a graph. For the most part, Payne's graph portrays an orderly and predictable world. The vast majority of coaches win roughly the number of games they should win, given their players' abilities, except for one. I love basketball, so this is an amazing. I wonder <laughs> why you picked that right. section, or why it just happened for you. His name is Greg Popovich. He resides alone at the far reaches of the graph, a planet unto himself. Under his leadership, the Spurs have won no fewer than 117 games more than they should have, a rate more than double that of the next nearest coach. This is why the Spurs rank as the most successful team in, in, in American sports over the last two decades, winning five championships and a higher percentage of games than the New England Patriots, the St. Louis Cardinals, or any other storied franchise. The title of Payne's graph is "Greg Popovich is Impossible." That is so interesting. It's not hard to figure out why Popovich's teams win, because the evidence is in plain view of the court. The Spurs consistently perform the thousand little unselfish behaviors: the extra pass, the alert defense, the tireless hustle that puts the team's interest above their own. Selfless, LeBron James said. Guys, move, cut, pass. You've got a shot. You take it. But it's all for the team, and it's never about it's never about the individual. Playing against them, said Marcin Gortat of the Washington Wizards, was like listening to Mozart. What's hard to figure out is how Popovich does it. This is this is really wonderful to see as a real life example, especially in NBA, because when we go into A work situation or a team situation, actually, because you know when we when we go to work, we are we work in teams, or so we think we are. But a lot of times, we're always thinking about how can I excel in my career, how can I become the best version of me, and usually that is at the expense of someone else trying to do the same thing for them. So when you have this environment where everyone is looking out for themselves, you're really not actively creating a team environment where you're working cohesively together to achieve a certain goal. What I'm seeing here is that the Spurs have transcended that interpretation of self, and that they they are operating from a service paradigm. In a sense, oh, that's super interesting. Yes. The use of that word, and you know, that's a common thing about. I mean, NBA teams that succeed—they succeed because they're unselfish. They succeed because they share the ball. They pass it around. Anytime you have like one or two players who, you know, maybe hogs the ball or takes most of the shots, there is a limit. There's a limit to how far they can go with that. And so it really does make sense, you know, in our work lives as well. How there is a limit to how far we can go without operating in the service paradigm. Yes. Do you want to explain what the service paradigm is? Yeah. So this service paradigm is something that resonated well with both you and I. I think you- from watching, rewatching Oprah's commencement speech, which we mentioned in our last episode, in episode one. The quote is that 
when you operate from a service paradigm, you basically transmute this notion of a job into a gift to the world. So your job is no longer just working for a paycheck. Everything that you do, looking through the lens of the service paradigm, is a gift to the world. So this is this is the idea that you know Oprah was trying to to communicate in the commencement speech that when you are serving others, you are serving your you you are actually servicing yourself even more so because you're finding more joy and happiness at the same time of giving more joy and happiness to the rest of the world. That is amazing, and you are actually. Yes, you are opening yourself up to more success by doing that. Yes, because because when someone when you serve someone else and when you are not service in terms of you are the authoritative figure of me, and that's why I'm servicing you. Not that. Not that's not what I mean. <laughs> what I mean is more of the the paradigm that we're talking about in terms of your intention of how you're going to go to work today, how you're going to live your life. Actually, not just how you do your work, but how you live your life. So I actually have the word "serve" on my cell phone as my screensaver, and it was kind of awkward. I was like with these two friends. They're not woke yet, <laughs> and they're like, "Should I be concerned why you have the worst serve on your cell phone as a screensaver?" And I had to kind of go back and rewind and tell them the story. But really, it was just a reflection of how I、um, intend to live my life every day and how I intend to go into the workspace. Because when I go to work every day, yes, I am the head of product、um, of this, you know, luxury e-commerce store. I I do product management. I manage lots of people, but that's not the intention that I have going into my day. My intention is that I am here to service as many people as possible, be it the people that is using my product or this or my services, or my immediate team members. I am not above or below. We are completely equals. Everything should be in balance. And if there's something that I can do today to help them in their work. That is my priority. That is amazing. That is awesome. So it looks like from that, you know, a, a really good inspired action is to think about our work as a platform for service to others,、yes. whether it be our team or the greater world around us. Especially in moments where you know we might be lacking clarity in our journey at at work, our career, and where we're going, to really take a step back and think about how can I use this as an opportunity to serve others and to unite people around me. Beautiful. That's our first in- inspired action. Yay! Awesome. Another thing that is in this in this chapter that I found was interesting, flipping the pages right now is this. There's、um, a study that was done on feedback、um, by a team of psychologists at Stanford,、mm. uh, Yale, and Columbia. There is a apparently a magical feedback sentence that really helps improve performance of others. And do you want to know what this is? 
Yes, tell me the magical <laughs> word. The magical phrase. I love magic. The magical phrase is, I'm giving you these comments because I have very high expectations and I know that you can reach them. Oh. So upon dissecting this, there's, there's three things that the sentence includes. One is telling the person who you're giving this, you know, saying the sentence to, you are a part of this group. Two, this group is special. We have high standards here. Third, I believe you can reach those standards. Those are kind of the three elements woven into this sentence. And that reminds me of, cup, of a couple of things. The first is the first is a, is a positive thing, and the second might be a negative thing. Okay. So I'm trying to wrap my head around that. Okay. Maybe you can help me out here, Danny. Yes. But okay, so the first one has to do with the, the law of attraction. Mm-hmm. And this idea that, so Amy and I have been doing a lot of work over the last um, few months, actually, especially, to make sure that whenever we talk or think or take actions, the actions that we take are uplifting others, uplifting those around and ourselves. Because once you kind of stop and think about what what you say and the root cause and where the thought stems from, by default, we have so many thoughts and words and actions that we take that aren't truly there to uplift people. They they have a negative impact on other people. What's what's an example? Like if somebody is late, you mentioned this this example I think um, before Amy. And if you point out like, oh, you're late to the person, you are just reinforcing those negative vibrations of what in is. them of yes. what is instead of helping to bring about the positive of what could be even though they're late. Yes. Oh, thank you for making time to come here even though there was a lot of traffic. I really yes. appreciate it. And yes. setting forth that positive intentions for what that what can happen. Um, and so according to that, I like this number three here element of the sentence, I believe you can reach those standards because I feel like in a lot of words we use at work and a lot of thoughts we have at work, either we maybe think people are incapable of doing something or people think we are incapable of doing something. (laughs) And so that is the law of attraction at its finest, where when that is the intention, where the thought or the the words come from, that is what is going to be lived out. We are automatically combating against this notion that people think we can't do something. Yes, and we're trying to constantly prove to other people that we can do something by hoarding all the work for ourselves. Exactly. Thereby not participating in that true team spirit, like what you were talking about. It's so terrible because, you know, there's always this thought in a lot of people's minds, especially um, those those high-performing individuals who think that they're high-performing only because that they have to do it themselves if they want to get it right. They have that that, that phrase, We all know those people. (laughs) It could have been us before. It it was. It was. It was (laughs) until 3 a.m. I was like, I don't need to be doing that. Why why am I doing this to myself? Now I go to work and I just delegate. You know, in the Law of Attraction book, because you mentioned that. Yes. Before I forget that thought. One of the best, one of the key things that I took away from that book was... The best gift that you can give to someone else is your belief in their success. Mm. 
And that's exactly what、um, the third point is, right? By telling someone that I know you can succeed or you are capable of doing this and you will. Yes, that is amazing. It's the most uplifting thing you can you can say to anyone, or even even your presence of knowing or that belief in them. Is going to change the way that they respond and react to you. Yes, that is so true, and that is a wonderful inspired action number two. Yeah, to believe in others' success, to truly believe in others' success, and in order to believe in others' success, you have to also believe in your own success. <laughs> We always forget about that. We always forget about that. We forget about ourselves. So so often in times of the service paradigm, actually, right. I want to remind everyone here who's listening. I I think growing up, I always want to take care of other people. It's one of the biggest blocks that I have to work through before I uncovered many other blocks. <laughs> But it was actually one that paralyzed me from from actually pursuing my spiritual path even further because I was so I was so focused on other people. Of how I can take care of them, how I can help them, when really we help other people by helping ourselves first. We were just talking about this last night at dinner. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about how、uh, you know this idea of self care, how self care is really important, and how if somebody was kind of eavesdropping into our conversation and we're talking about self care, they might think that we're promoting selfishness. Yes, but. Once you get past all of that, you realize that when you take care of yourself, it helps you take care of others far better than you otherwise could. Yeah, and you can do so many things now for other people, and I think that's a block that people have with abundance and spirituality too, which is this idea of if I. You know, think of abundance as a goal for myself. If I am have making money as a focus, I am not spiritual. <laughs> I should instead be thinking about serving others. But now, you you know, if we're if we're in a situation where we have to think about how to feed ourselves constantly, or thinking about how to make ends meet. That takes up all of this time that we could be spending if those things were taken care of. To think about now, how can I help others? Yes, yes, that is so true. It all comes full circle. It all comes full circle, and taking care of yourself is a prerequisite to helping others, not the opposition of it. Yes, and then it also allows you to set more love from others as well. I was really not good at accepting love. It was, it was because I can't. I I didn't know how to give myself love. I was giving it to others, didn't give it to myself, and therefore when others gave it to me, I was like, "What is this? <laughs> I'm not used to this." And I just kind of shut myself out. And that really is the is the reason why some of us have blocks in being in a team situation. I feel like we we kind of isolate ourselves without knowing why. Even though we want to help, we don't really know how to receive those vibrations in return, and we don't really know how to correctly express our love to other people. So it's all there. There's a lot to it. Just unpack 
in in that it is、um, and I already came up with a third inspired action. Which is we read only one page of the book. <laughs> we, you know that, right? We, I think we read a couple because the story took、oh、up、gosh. a couple of pages. But the, so the second one was to believe in others' success, and the third one is to believe in your own success. Oh my gosh! Okay, great. <laughs> believe in your own success and take care of yourself. Yes, it's a prerequisite to the one before. And it's a prerequisite to the first one, which is looking at your work as a platform for service to others. Honestly, I I believe that you know if anyone needs to read the rest of this book, you can. But I do think that the three inspired action here today <laughs> is you know really good jumping point for for you to dive into a company culture of what will make it great. Yes, right to to have some sort of clarity on how. On who you are, and how you see yourself, in total love, in unconditional love for yourself, and then how you can practice that more often, so that you are able to give that back to anyone that you have interaction with. It doesn't. It doesn't matter if it's in, if if it's at work. It could be in your family. You were telling me yesterday that for some reason the other day you. Have this overwhelming love for your mom. Yes. All of a sudden. Yes. And she wasn't even in front of you. She was not. You were just like somewhere, and somehow you had this overwhelming, unconditional love. Yes. Just like popping up in your heart, whatever、exactly. that is, and you're like, wow. Okay. <laughs> okay. I don't find those things that she say to me every day annoying anymore. <laughs>、right. So like, can it's like, how can you, <gasps> how can you repeat that for everyone at you work? You are so. Tr- that is right on, Amy. Because I didn't even think about applying that to the work atmosphere, <laughs> but it's true, and it's about it's. I like this this notion of unconditional love here. Because you know, to be to be honest, there may be some work situations, there may be some environments, there will be situations and environments that aren't a vibrational match for us. That is just you know the way the world works. It will happen, and the question is, how do we approach those situations in a way that doesn't lower our own vibrations and helps us seek further alignment with what it is that will bring us joy? And I truly believe now, thinking about. What you've just said, Amy, and everything that we've talked about in this episode so far, is that in those situations, taking care of yourself and practicing unconditional love towards others will help prevent us from adding more baggage to our hearts and bringing in those any negative vibrations that might be stemming from you know other people's thoughts or words or actions. Taking those into our heart and manifesting that in, into ourselves. So by practicing unconditional love, it's like we just accept everybody for who they are. We accept the situation for what it is, and because we gain that clarity, we can really look at things with the right awareness, with the right mindset, and with love, and thereby, you know, elevate the situations around us. And the people around and us. And the people around us. That is so beautifully said. I see like flowers and rainbows <laughs> <laughs> and sunshine.、Oh. <laughs> the clouds are moving away. <laughs> yeah, I. So funny. Yeah, when you told me that story about your mom, I just my heart started opening 
myself. It's incredible. Yeah. When you share those moments with other people yeah. around you. And the more we the more we go on this journey, you know, the more episodes we cover, the more you all kind of look into yourselves and 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 work through not even work through play with some of these concepts, the more those feelings will come about. I think it takes time. It takes lots of practice. And practice. And so be patient with yourself. Having patience with your growth and yourself and taking care of yourself is also a process. It's not going to happen overnight. I think Priya and I, I mean, Priya's been meditating for three to four years. Seven years. Seven years. Sorry. <laughs> Man, I just cut that in half like it was nothing. It doesn't matter. Yeah, but I, I mean, I started meditating maybe only like about a year ago. And, and it's taking us a long time, it feels like. To, to get to this point where we could have this clarity to talk about these things and look at these books and, and have some, something to reflect on. So, and it wasn't all rainbows and sunshine. It was a lot of tears, actually. We cry a lot when we do self-reflection. We are not always this happy, but when you have that emotional release and when you kind of face those fears and those negativity that may have been the baggage that you were talking about that we hold in our hearts and our energy levels and and all that you you can start growing it's almost like you know how you need a little bit of rain on Mm -hmm. the seed that you plant in the ground before it can blossom into a tree just well, like that. Yeah, that's what Daji, the, the heartfulness instructor, our master says about struggles in life, that they're there to, you know, a lot of people say this, to teach us lessons. Yes. They're there to help us grow. Yes. And so give yourself time for that growth. It's A tree doesn't grow overnight. <laughs> it doesn't. So to recap the three inspired actions, the wonderful inspired actions that we came away with from reading a little bit of the culture code. The first one, to really look at your work as a platform for service to others and to the world. The second one is to really believe in others' success. And the third one is to believe in your own success and to take care of yourself. Because without this, the other two just are going to be too hard. This will make the other two easier to do. And give yourself time when you're taking care of yourself. Yes, please. Yes. So that was that was um, the culture code. Uh, We didn't get very far. Decoded. (laughs) (laughs) We got so much from just uh, the the story um, of this verse. Your favorite Popovich. Right. Please, please follow us on social media and subscribe to our podcast. Give us a rating. Give a couple us a of rating, stars. A couple stars, a couple of rainbows and sunshine <laughs> um, to help to help spread the, the inspiration around. Um, and we look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone.